Jones on a Thursday. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Happy Thanksgiving to those of you who are listening stateside. Hopefully you're enjoying your day with family and friends. And the Toronto Raptors, Jonesy, will be enjoying that turkey dinner or whatever they're eating today. That much more considering the uh, outcome last night. And it certainly didn't look pretty early on for the Raptors as they trailed big in the first quarter, second quarter, going into the half given up 70-plus in the first half, and it was, again, not looking great for the Raptors, but a big-time turnaround in the second half of that ball game, especially into the third and fourth quarter, and, and, and Precious Achua with a monster third, scoring all 17 of his 17 points in that third frame, and the Raptors just put the foot down in the final quarter en route to a comeback victory, 126-113. The Raptors shoot just a hair shy of 53% against the Grizz, and now it sets themselves up, the Raptors, for a chance to finish this road trip at 500 if they can take care of business against the Pacers tomorrow night. That's the final of six games on the road for the Raptors, but last night, man, it certainly looked good when things started clicking after half well it was a classic road victory uh, you take a lot of shots early you take a lot of blows early uh, you kind of fight off the ropes hang in and then get your legs under you and lean them out at the wire it it, it really was and although the defense wasn't great all night uh, they held memphis to 42 points in the second half seven of 21 in the fourth quarter i thought their activity was terrific um uh, you, you know they got big offensive performances from uh, Gary Trent Jr. in the fourth quarter, and you talked about Precious in Precious Achua in the third quarter. Uh, they they did a really nice job, and I, I continue to be impressed with Gary Trent Jr. for a number of reasons. Uh, somebody's really taught this guy, this young guy, how to play the game. They they really have. He uh, just go and watch video. He runs the court, uh, and when he gets close to shooting. Uh, an area where he's good, he thinks he's going to get a shot. Uh, you know, he crouches, his 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 butt goes towards the ground, his knees he's get ready. bent. Yeah, shot ready. Hands are out, waiting for the ball, kind of putting up a, a target where I want it, right in the shooting pocket, and 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 knock shots down. And he, it, it just looks like uh, he doesn't rush. Um, the stuff he does is delip. It's quick yet it's deliberate and controlled. He doesn't take off-balance shots. Even when he takes a runner or a floater, he's under control. Um, I, I just continue to be impressed with the young man at the offensive end. And then his defense really impresses me because he's – I never thought of him as that great a defender. Uh, I knew he was kind of, uh, you know, position-wise, and he could be uh, pesky, as, as they put it, but uh, he is showing me stuff defensively with – uh, his active hands, knocking the ball away, uh, deflecting, and then following it up. It's not just good enough to knock it away. He wants to retrieve the loose ball. So I've been, I've really been impressed with him. And I, I loved what Precious did last night coming back to Memphis as a guy who is from that area. You know, he had people in the stands. He probably had to, you know, fork out of his pocket for a whole bunch of tickets. He wanted to play well. And after a, a lackluster first half, he really put it together in the third quarter. You know, it's interesting. Everything we've talked about to this point, we didn't even discuss the performance from the Rook. Scotty Barnes with 17 points, nine boards, three assists on a very efficient eight of 14. Knocked down a triple last night as well. And Pascal Siakam. The numbers necessarily weren't jumping off the page at you. Five of 12, 17 points, seven rebounds, a couple of assists. But I thought his defense was pretty solid overall. Jonesy, Fred Van Vliet, 23 points, three of seven from distance, seven assists, uh, six rebounds in the ballgame. And another guy. Again, numbers not jumping off the page, but finally back in the lineup in the second unit. He was over. His three points all came at the free throw line. Played only 14 minutes. But I thought Utah Watanabe's presence on the floor made a difference on both ends of the floor, but especially defensively. Stepped in with a couple of steals and a couple of blocks and showed us yet again, in spite of getting dunked on last year by Anthony Edwards, any great shot blocker, any average shot blocker, any bad shot blocker, any basketball player at any level, You've been dunked on at some point. Why? Because you're trying to make a defensive play, and you're not shying away from the dude that's coming at you because you know what your role is, what your job is, and even at the risk of your ego, which shouldn't matter, you're going to make a play. And to his credit, he tried to go up and block the, the, the shot last night. Jonesy got a couple of clean ones, and it comes, just as a quick aside, on a night where Anthony Edwards put down yet another poster in spite of the fact that they called an offensive foul. And it just impresses me the overall attitude that this dude has. And we've discussed him a little bit here, 
how much of a difference he could make. And some people are saying, Utah Watanabe, I mean, come on. Like, it's not like he's going to be the difference maker. It's a piece. It's another piece. It's another long, versatile piece for Nick Nurse to use. And I think Utah showed last night what he can do and what he can be for this team. I like what he did last year when he was given the opportunity. He really, he really stayed in his lane. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're if you're a kid trying to make a team or you're the 10th or 11th man and you get your shot, when you get into the game, do what you do best, but endear yourself to the coaching staff by playing defense. And Utah plays defense. Uh, he He's aware defensively on the help side. He's good guarding the ball. He does all those things on the defensive end. And then on offense, he's the classic, you know, you run deep so we can th- and take your man deep so we can throw the ball to the flat underneath. We can throw the out route while you clear out the, the zone man on that side. He he will run the floor. He will stand there uh, ready to shoot if he gets it, spacing the floor, but you don't have to run any plays for him. And then towards the end of last year, he started to get shots and make shots, and it was as if they said, you know what, start looking for that a little more. You're okay to do that. We're we're okay with you doing that. And he kind of said, yeah, all right. And you saw the aggressiveness parlay itself into uh, more playing time, more scoring at the end of last year. It it took him it took him into the Olympics where he, he you know the Olympic um, uh, team with his with his with his native Japan and he played well there. And he's come back ready to be aggressive with all that confidence. And he made a huge difference last night. It was interesting that Nick waited till the second half to put him in. And there's another guy. That's a former team of his. That's a place where he Mm -hmm. used to play. So he wants to show well. And, you know, Nick split that time. We didn't see Chris Boucher in the second half. All right, I'm going to give, you know, Watanabe a a shot at this. And and he played well. And what he does, uh, you know, gives the team an infusion of energy. It's, It's like a transfusion on, you know, we've been on these trips, E, on the, the ninth, tenth day of a 12, 13-day trip, and we're tired, and we don't even play. And you get to the arena, and you're kind of dragging, and I think hence the slow start. But in the second half, uh, Utah's presence made made uh, a, a big a big difference for the Raptors. Let me let me give you a, a couple of quotes here from Nick Nurse uh, after the ballgame. One Nick Nurse and, and, and one uh, from Fred Van Vliet as well. And I'll give you one from Utah Watanabe seeing as we're on that topic. So Nick Nurse on Utah Watanabe specifically. I thought he was awesome. He ran down some loose balls when we were really having trouble doing that. He kept a few alive at the offensive end. He had a great block. Just some really good hard play. And then following that up, Fred Van Vliet uh, talking about Watanabe and his offense and whatnot. Uh, he said, you know, I cussed him out a couple of times for missing a layup, but that's just the relationship we have. I love him. And that's what you love to hear as well. Just the, the, the fact that these guys are, you know, they're a team. They're, they're brothers. And they were pulling for this guy to come back. He comes back and instantly making a difference. And Jonesy, on the topic we were just discussing about the block attempts and the energy and the hustle. And again, referencing last year where everybody wanted to laugh about, oh, well, you, Watanabe got on a poster because of Anthony Edwards and everything else. Uh, listen, how many guys... How many guys put Dikemi Mutombo and Akeem Olajuwon and others on posters too? The greatest shot blockers in the game have been dunked on and had it thrown back in their grill time and time again. And Watanabe, after the game last night, says, I've told you guys, I'll jump 100 times if I can jump 100 times. I'm going to jump 100 times. That's what I'm going to do. He's never going to back down. He's going to contest every shot, and that's the type of guy you want on your team. Well, shot blockers get dunked on because they try to block shots home run hitters strike out and you know what they go back to the plate and swing big again and it's the same way and and i love that attitude from the young man and and that's that's just the fact of it if you've if you've played long enough you're going to be in a situation where it happens so um i i I love what he, he brings to the team and you know he's he's a great teammate too you heard fred talk about it you you read the quote where you know fred says i love that guy he's a great teammate he he really is and that's the kind of you know that's the kind of um character culture type guy you want in your organization well and listen the raptors are a young team right we've talked a lot about this and when you've got young guys playing the right way hopefully it's it's instilling um the right habits and a culture within the team as well and and listen i don't want to you know go go too crazy after one game over the grizzlies 
but to me, in the middle of a road trip, when you're when you're scuffling, when you've been gone for a week and a half already, and you've only got one win to show for it, and you're eyeing the end of that trip coming up on Friday, that's a big win last night. And I wonder if it's one that could be a, a character builder and one that kind of pushes the Raptors forward, as I say, not just into Friday's game against the Pacers, but maybe once you come back home and try and get a little momentum going as the calendar flips to December. And speaking of the young team, here's Fred Van Vliet on that very topic. Uh, we just play harder, play like we care. Um, we're a young team. And uh, sometimes it's hard to stress the uh, urgency and, you know, what it takes to win in this league every night. And uh, you can't go out there and go through the motions or you're going to have a team put 71 on you in the first half and then you'll be fighting uphill. So luckily we were able to turn it around, but um, it's not really the way we want to live, you know, going forward. He's, he's right about that, Jones. He can't be giving up 71 in the first half to too many teams. And at the end of the day, too, dust settles. You shot just a, sh- a hair shy of 53%, but you still gave up 51% to the Grizzlies. So uh, I got to imagine as much as Nick Nurse was happy with the win today and with the turnaround in the second half, there's still a lot that this team needs to clean up defensively. Well, th- they were good when they had to be defensively. Like I said, 42 points in the second half, 7 of 21 in the fourth quarter. Um, and And... It's not an excuse. Uh, it's not excusable. But I could see the slow start. I mean, what is that? Their f- fourth, fifth city they've been in on on this mm-hmm. trip. And, uh, y- you know, we've been there, Eric. You get to the arena. You know, you're, you're, you've been on the road 10, 11 days. You're, you're tired. You get there. As I said, we're tired and we're not even we're not even playing. You get there and the game starts and, you know, we're professionals, but the first part of the game is kind of foggy. You're calling it and you're, you're not kind of paying attention to the stats and you're, you're not really tracking the subs as, as in the time as much as you uh, would when you're, you know, more alert. And the players go through it too. And that's uh, hence the slow start. And then all of a sudden you get a wake-up call. Like, hey, man, we're, we gave up 71 points. We're down 14 twice in the first half. Now we're better than that. The other team's crowd is is having a good time at your expense, and you're like, oh no, oh no, oh no, 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 oh no, this this can't work. And you 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 lock into gear, and I, I think that's what happened with the Raptors. And as Fred said, I, I, look, even Fred, Fred's a young vet on this team. It's not mm-hmm. like he's an old man, a gray beard in his uh, you know mid 30s to late 30s. Yeah, he's been on a championship team, but he's not that old. He's he's the quintessential young vet that you want on your team. Guys like he and Pascal and OG. So uh, it was good that, you know, Fred had a terrific game too. I mean, we, we talk about Utah and, and, and Precious. And, and I was talking about Gary Trent Jr. Fred was 18, 6, and 7. That's, that's nothing to laugh at. And he made some big shots late in the game. So... Yeah, they are young. They are growing, and they, you know, they got to feel that they kind of escaped with one yesterday. But at the same time, there are no asterisks or, or check marks on certain wins. They got the win. They got it done. Move on to Indiana. Try to come home three and three on this trip, and even your record overall at five hundred. I'm still, I'm still trying to get over you saying gray beard into the mid to late 30s because I, I feel seen, Jonesy. When you talk about gray beard, I, I, I athletes, feel seen. Athletes. Yeah. Oh, athletes. Okay. Okay. Athletes, okay. Yeah. Athletes. That's that not takes me, us out of it. Me. Yeah. Yeah. That takes yeah, us out of me. it. It's like somebody uh, somebody said that about gray hair. Jonesy, you're a gray hair. I said, I don't have any that stay in there long enough to turn gray. So, uh, yeah. Those are the only ones that stay in for me at all anymore. Um, keep them. Keep them. I'll tell you. Keep them. Yeah. <laughs> Scotty Barnes last night, I mentioned it off the top in the first couple of minutes. Um, he was impressive, too, and we haven't really discussed him. Leading rebounder in the game on either side. Nine rebounds for the Rook, and Fred Van Vliet talked about Scotty after the game last night as well. I think he had a couple nights where he just didn't quite have it, and that's okay. We've all been there, you know, especially as a rookie. We're certainly asking him to do a lot, and we need him to, to produce in order for us to be good. But, um, you know, he turned it around tonight, um, so that was good to see. But, you know, just the effort and the intensity and the attention to detail, those things got to be non-negotiable, and, and whatever else comes after that, you know, we'll take it in stride. But uh, just trying to support him as best we can, and um, I thought he was great tonight from the jump. 
You know, and, and Jonesy, we talked to David Thorpe the other day about the, the maturation and the progression of Scotty Barnes, who's already eclipsed more minutes this season with the Raptors than he did in, in his entire season last year with Florida State. And I love the fact that Van Vliet, and I'm, I'm sure Nick Nurse and the organization in general, challenging this kid to, you know, to go above and beyond and, and to not allow yourself to fall into the maybe the rookie lulls or, or to hit that, you know, that, that, that talked about rookie wall, to continue to play hard, play strong, and to just don't, don't you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily a conscious thing that players decide, but if you know, listen, you're a sports fan, you grew up, you hear about this rookie wall, well then, you know what, be prepared for it. And I'm not saying that it's easy. I've never been there as an, as an athlete by any means, certainly not at a professional level. But if you know what's coming, how can you prep yourself, whether it's your sleep habits, whether it's your routine, whether it's your diet, whether it's your exercise, whatever it may be, whether it be just recognizing the awareness of, all right, I know at some point I might feel it. How do I best prep myself to not feel it or not feel it as much? And I love the fact that you've got vets and others looking out for him, trying to keep him on the right path and not allow that, that sort of lull or that dip to, to happen. And if it does, to not allow it to linger very long. I love what Fred said there when he said, uh, we've all been there. And that's you know what the, the, the scenario that I outlined earlier, uh, long trip, little kind of malaise off the top, not not quite focused, a little fatigue that gets you when you're not knowing, that's exactly what it might have been with Scotty. Joining us on the line right now, friend of the show, friend of the station, friend in general from the Toronto Stars, covered the Raptors since day one, author as well, Doug Smith. Smitty, how are you today? Hello, boys. I'm good. Thanks. How are you guys? All good, Smitty. Good, good. good. Uh, Doug, what stood out most for you last night, especially in that second half? Because we've talked about so many individuals um, that it's it's hard to highlight just one guy that made such a difference. It, it truly was kind of the uh, the collective, wasn't it? Yeah, and they just guarded better. They just tried harder. That that was the thing. Like that, you know, Memphis is always going to give up points, and we knew we knew that going into the game, and they needed to stop them. And they, in the second half, they actually tried to defend. They were connected they were closing out on shooters they shut down the paint a little bit and they just and nick said after the game we just we just played harder and that's all they had to do and if that's that's the thing about this team it's some nights there's the some nights are going to be bad some nights are going to be good it's not very often you get bad and good in the same game well, they had it smitty last night for sure um what do you, what do you make of um what do you make of Nick? And it's not like we haven't seen this before, kind of juggling the lineup and, and trying guys and playing things by feel. We don't see Boucher in the second half. And, you know, he just he pushed the button at the right time, putting Utah Watanabe into the game. Yeah, just, you know, he rolled the dice to the guy he thought could help him, and then he said he stayed with him, which is, which is what he does. You know, Chris gave him nothing in the first half. And so you tried Utah in the second. If he gives you something, you stick with him, and he did. He rode precious for, I think, almost the entire third quarter because he was on a roll. That That's that's very rare. But the guy got 17 points and made three threes in a quarter. So you got to stick with him. And that's how Nick's going to have to coach this year. You're going to have to find some guy each night that you can ride for a little bit longer than you thought you were going to going into the game. Speaking with Doug Smith, uh, Smitty, we'll, we'll get back to, to maybe some of the other positives from last night and look ahead to tomorrow's game against the Pacers as well. Um, at the risk of focusing on a negative, do we at some point need to start being a little bit more concerned about Chris Boucher, or do we think that you know he'll eventually figure things out? Because he does not look even close to the player that we saw last year. Oh, I think there's concern. He hasn't. He's played maybe what two good games this year. Um, that, that have been really Chris Boucher-ish kind of games. Other than that, he's been rather uninvolved. I haven't seen him run and dunk and transition maybe once all year. Because they caught a lot of lobs. Now he's playing a little bit of a different position, so that's a factor. But I think there's some concern there because I think eventually lots of times he's going to beat him out for that job. When there's all the bigs are available, it's going to be Birch, Achua, and Utah. And I, I think Chris will play... Now, instead of playing 12 minutes a night, he might play five. He's got to be productive in those five. And until he shows that he can play in all those 12 or 14 and have an impact on games. Doug, I want your thoughts on uh, a couple guys. Um, you know, the Raptor bench has not been great this year, but uh, they came in last night and I thought, you know, they gave him 
they weren't they weren't outscored and as as badly as they have been in the past. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- like they 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 were part of the hanging in. The bench gave them twenty six points last night. Thirty two twenty six. Memphis outscored them, but it wasn't the horrific you know difference uh, gradient that we've seen in the past. Right. And I I thought I thought Mihailuk was good. I thought Malachi Flynn was really effective too. Uh, he only played eleven minutes, but again, and and Nick. Nick tends to go towards bigger, longer guys, but when Flynn's in there, I think he's really effective. He has been, and I think it's hard on this the way this team is built to play all those point guards. Like you know, last year, you played Lowry and and Van Vliet together, so they needed a third and maybe a four some nights. This year, they're only playing they're only playing Fred, and the backup right now is Delano. So Malachi is definitely the third the third guy in, in that rotation. And if he can produce in those limited minutes, those 11 minutes or 12 minutes or nine minutes, then they're going to be better off for it. But I think right now the backup point guard is Bantam. Speaking with Doug Smith from the Toronto Star, the Raptors beating the Grizzlies last night, getting set for the Indiana Pacers, the final of six games on this uh, road trip before the Raptors come back home for their uh, next tilt on Sunday after that game in Indy on Friday night. Smitty, we were chatting earlier, uh, again, about a number of individuals. Pascal Siakam, numbers didn't necessarily jump off the page last night, but I thought he had a solid game overall on both ends, but especially, like others, the impact that he made on the defensive end. And, And I don't know about you, but I'm fine if this is the Pascal that we see. If he can give you 17 to 20 a night and bring it on the defensive end as well, I don't need him to go out and be 25-plus every night and the go-to guy. If he can be a piece to the puzzle and a very good piece, that should be what makes the Raptors better in the long run. It's a perfect fit for him. He doesn't have to be the guy. He's not going to take every shot at the end of every game, every close game, like he was last year because they have other guys who can do it and the roster's kind of constructed. And the style of play is a little bit different. I think this is a perfect fit for him. And, yeah, he doesn't have to give him 25 a night, but it's nice to know that he can. He gets a 35 some nights if he has to. He hasn't had that night yet, obviously. But we know that capability is there. Other than that, he's, he's messing very well in the group. And I think that suits his personality, and I think it suits his playing style. Doug, what do you make of the East? Uh, we keep looking at it. We're almost a quarter of the way in. Uh, if you're not above 500, you're not even in a play-in spot right now. It's great. I, I kind of, yeah, I think it's gonna, I think it's going to be. I mean, let's take out realistically for now. Anyway, let's take out Detroit and Orlando. You got 13 teams battling for for 10 spots, and even if you were drawing the line at eight like the old days. You still had to be above. You still have to be above five hundred. And for years, there was all this talk about, oh, the West and how strong it is and whatever. I, I, I think the East is. I don't know if you want to call it as strong, but it's certainly as competitive. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to say it's better than the West. I think the depth of the depth of teams is uh, by a factor of many better than the West. Like there are there are a lot of very good basketball teams in the Eastern Conference, and it's going to be a war, and it's going to be injuries are going to factor into it. Uh, losing a game you probably should win is going to factor into it. And the margin of error is razor thin because I don't think – I think it's going to take 41 wins to get in the playoffs when back in the day it would take 36. Now, I think there's it, – it's going to be a great fight all the way down. And I think that will keep more teams engaged. I don't think you're going to see a lot of tanking. I don't think you're going to see a lot of selling off of players. I don't think you'll see a lot of resting guys because all those teams, if you can get in – you can make some noise. And as you know, we saw it with teams like Phoenix, teams like Atlanta last year. If you get in, stuff happens. And I think getting in is going to be really, really hard this year. Speaking of getting hot and, 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 and the teams that you just mentioned as well, the Phoenix Suns have won 14 in a row now. The Atlanta Hawks, six in a row to turn around their slow start to the season. And the Milwaukee Bucks, five in a row now as well to turn around their slow start. So with that said, Smitty, uh, Cleveland's the most obvious choice, and they've already free-fallen. They're, they're down in the 11th seed. When you look at some of those top-tier teams, whether we're talking top four, top six, top eight, is there one or two, Smitty, that you're pegging to say, they might be due for a dip, or do you think that a lot of these teams can sustain this all season? I'm not. I'm certainly not convinced on Chicago, on on Cleveland at all. I think they're they're good, but they're very very young and they're very very unproven. And when it gets tight in April and May, I don't think they're going to be there or March and April rather. 
I'm not entirely sold on Charlotte right now because I'm not sure it's sustainable. Again, they're pretty young, and we're not sure what they're going to be at the end. I think, you know, they might, they're certainly in the conversation for the play in spots. But I think if you're looking for two to drop out or down a little bit, those might be the two. Other than that, I, I, you know, it's still, we're a quarter of the way through the season, so it's not really early, but it's still kind of early. Teams are still sort of shaking out what they are, what they, what help they might need, what help they might want to give to, 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 to take a step back, to take a step forward next year. So I think we're, we don't know yet, but I'm, if you had to pick two, to me, that we're going to drop out, it would be Cleveland, and I'm not sold at all on Charlotte. And I'm not really sold on Indiana. Uh, I, there's just something there's just something wrong there, and I don't know what it is, and it's been wrong for years. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that big Pacers. I'm not big on the Pacers at all. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to give Indiana a little time with, with a, a decent coach, Rick Carlisle, but sure, yeah. you're right. It's, it's a talent league, Doug. You're right, and, and there's something that – um, they've got some talented players, but I, I, I wonder about the fit and, and if they need to upgrade the talent, so to speak. So, um, you know, that, that, yeah, that's something like, I, I, think the, I think they need to be aware of. And we're going to see uh, when Toronto rolls in there tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I don't know that Sabonis and Turner work together, and I don't think they ever really have. They're both really good players, but there's just something that, that doesn't jive there. You know, I think Brogdon's great, but... I don't know. There's just something there. I know Rick's a really good coach. He'll get the most out of them. But I think there's a mix there that just doesn't work. It hasn't worked for a while. So I'm not sure it's going to work as this season progresses. Smitty, we appreciate the time today, man. Thanks for doing this. Go enjoy some football, I guess, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to seeing you back in the uh, building on Sunday. I think a haircut and some hours on a stool might be a good thing for the afternoon. (laughs) There it is. And you're at home, too. Exactly. I'm all right. Thanks, Doug. All right, guys. Talk later on. All right, Doug. There is Doug Smith from the Toronto Star, author as well. If you're looking for a Christmas present, make sure you track down Smitty's book that came out last year, uh, recapping and highlighting the uh, 25 years of the Toronto Raptors. All right, before we take the break here, Jonesy, I, I want to hit on this for a second. I got a question for you, too, E, because Doug was talking right, about who, he, well, who he's buying right now. And I... I um, I'm kind of willing to wait on Charlotte, although I'm buying them right now because of what LaMelo Ball is giving them and, and the way Rozier's playing and, and what they have. I'm, I, might, I might be buying Charlotte. Really? I, the, yeah, the, yeah the, See, the one team I'm not sure still that I, I'm, I'm buying, and I probably should be, because maybe they're, they're ahead of Charlotte and maybe they're better than Charlotte. The Wiz. Is, is Washington? Yeah. yeah. Like I don't. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't. Is that sustainable? And I'm. You know, people are people. Nobody was buying Chicago early, uh, but I, I, I bet people are 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 on that train right now. And you know, you look at the East, and all of a sudden, Atlanta's won six in a row. Milwaukee's won five in a row. Uh, it's it's uh, it's going to be an interesting race all season. It really is. It really is. The the Brooklyn Nets sitting atop the conference right now at fourteen and five. They've won four in a row. The Heat last night uh, got knocked down by the Minnesota uh, Timberwolves, who have started to turn things around in the Western Conference as well. Just as a quick aside, they've won five in a row, now sitting at 500. But I bring up the Nets for a reason. Just quickly here, uh, we're going to have Dan Wojcicki joining us in, in a couple of minutes' time. Um, I hit you up in the in the group chat last night. We're talking with Boffo and, and Lance as well. Kevin Durant sent out a tweet yesterday, Jonesy, right, right around this time, roughly-ish, around 11 o'clock yesterday, responding, like he, he, he quote-tweeted somebody on Twitter that was responding to him where KD had sent a tweet a couple of days ago where he was responding to some critics. There, it's, it's so silly how this all started. There was a picture taken, I think it was by Slam Kicks, I think. It's a you know Slam magazine, and they have Slam Kicks that follows a lot of the, the latest uh, you know shoes and, and whatnot and post pictures of guys' shoes. They took a shot of the shoes that KD was wearing the other night, and there's just the tiniest glimpse, like maybe an inch or two, between the top of his shoes and the start of his, like, the leg sleeve, the compression sleeve or whatever that he wears in his shorts. There's, like, just the tiniest little bit of skin showing, and clearly he's got, like, dry skin. So the Internet being the Internet and people being a-holes that they are, went crazy creating a whole bunch of memes on how dry Kevin Durant's skin was, and it turned into this thing. It was so stupid. Such a terrible sign of 2021 and the, the, the world we live in. But KD kind of fed up with it. Sent out a tweet, and he said, uh, I'm about to pull my y'all broke card in, in a second, and then he said, F y'all. Like, so some dude responded to him saying, 
classy post. Remember, kids look up to you and read this. And Durant yesterday retweeted that guy and said, I'm not a role model. Here we go again with Charles Barkley from, what, 25 years ago. Yeah. And, I, again, we don't need to – like, I'm not turning this into, like, some grand thing that, that I'm going to, you know, die in this hill or some soapbox. But it bothered me that he wrote that because I'll tell you what. I'm a father. When I scroll through, I don't mind if KD dropped the F-bomb. He's a grown man. He knows he's got kids that read it. I may not choose to do that, but have I sworn in front of my kid? Yes. Have I apologized? Yes. Have I have I used some colorful language sometimes when I maybe shouldn't? Absolutely. Probably too much. But that's just life, right? So I don't mind if I scroll through and one day see KD posting something about a charity or about, uh, a, 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 about a giveaway he's doing or signing an autograph or taking care of a family or whatever it may be. And then the next day, he's dropping an F y'all because that's just life. And he's a grown-ass man. Do your thing. But don't post, I'm not a role model. You are a role model. You might not want to be a role model. You are a role model. You have people looking up to you and take that and wear that and own that. And that's my problem. Jonesy, you're a role model. It might not be to the same amount of people. Exactly, exactly. We We are all role models to not just the youth but to fellow human. So I I actually hated reading that role model BS more than I hated seeing the F-bomb. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, no, I, 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 <clears throat> I'm with you, E. Um, we are, all are, in our own way, whether it's to uh, family, to peers. People, people kind of watch what you do, and it, it sets, you know, it, it, sets, it sets things for life, and, and it sets up the way that, you know, life is, is going to be, the way you act, the way you carry yourself. And, hey, I always say it, I, the people that, I'm close to hear it all the time when I screw up and I get, uh, you know, a look of disappointment. I, I, like I apologize. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm trying to be perfect. I'm trying my best, but sometimes it doesn't work out. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in there fighting. I'm doing all I can. I'm, I'm trying to do things the right way. If I screw up or I slip or I have a, a bad day, a bad moment, a bad minute, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to be better. You know, I, I love the title of the old Dave Steed book. Tomorrow I'll be perfect. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to get up and I'm going to try again. And I think, uh, you know, guys like Kevin Durant have to realize that. And it's interesting to look at the change in Charles Barkley since uh, he uttered that statement. Charles is just terrific with the way he treats people and the things he does in the world. Uh, I, you know, I had a chance to sit, sit down with him the last time I saw him at the All-Star Game in in uh, in Chicago in February of 2020. And we sat there after uh, the game was over. I, I was invited to a spot where he was. He sent me a text, come on, let's go. And, and we sat, and like the stuff that he does for people, and particularly at this time in the world, employing and, and fighting for opportunities for young black youth He's a great role model, Charles. Mm-hmm. He is a terrific mm-hmm. role model. But he uttered those words years ago, and people won't let him forget it. Can we can we let that go, please? And you're right, E. Uh, you know, I don't like to see that either because we're all role models. We all have to try to do our best, put our best forward to make the world a better place. Hey, we just heard Lenny Wilkins talk about it with us a couple days ago. That's the sentiment that we should all be esp- espousing and 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 working towards. Folks, if you like the show, Smith & Jones, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review the show as well. We'll continue with Dan Wojcicki from the LA Times in a moment right here on Smith & Jones. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review the show as well. It is Thanksgiving stateside. And unless he's traveled to go see family, which is certainly very possible, our next guest has uh, um, woken up early for us. But that said, I, I believe he's got a young one at home, so he might have been awake for like two, three hours already. Uh, from the West Coast, I think, from the L.A. Times, uh, Lakers writer, NBA reporter, national writer as well, Dan Wojcicki. Dan, thanks for the time as always. Eric, I have a um, two-year-old anchor and a three-week-year-old anchor. 
in, in the house currently right now. So, so yes, I've been up. There's one of them. Um, yes, I've been up, and and um, and no, I'm never going anywhere again. Ever, it doesn't feel like so. Happy Dan, Thanksgiving. Dan. We we we're both a little bit ahead of you on the uh, on the father spectrum, and uh, you know how they torture prisoners of war, right? That's lack of sleep. Yeah, so it, it's funny. <laughs> um, I'm like weirdly like in the phase of baby number two where I'm actually sleeping a little because it's like I can't do anything, right? Like I wake up, I change a diaper, and I go back to bed, right? Like I just there's not a lot I can do. I, I am though in the um, the secondary um, like where you know, you know I, I feel badly talking about him he's sitting right here but you know the the older one is is you know hitting his terrible two phase and it's like I'm getting all the cardio I could ever need just like just chasing him around he's climbing everywhere he's saying things like free solo I think he saw that movie on accident but like now he's just like scaling things and like. It's it's just total it's just total chaos and um, which is great preparation for covering a Lakers team that just is like mostly just chaos right now. It's been uh, it, it's really like I, I went on paternity leave. It's like I brought the roster here. Uh, Dan, just as a quick aside, and then we will talk basketball. I don't know about jo- like listen, Jonesy's even well ahead of me on the on the father scale and the kid scale, and he's also got three. I've only got the one. I, I managed to somehow yeah. escape the terrible twos, but the Effing oh, fours, <laughs> the effing oh, no. fours, the fu fours. Oh my god, that just you got. I don't know if it hit you, Jonesy, but that that's when it hit it hit this household. Somehow, some way, four became like just like terror, just an absolute yeah. terror. So four four was four was tough, but at that stage, Eric, we could still play man to man, like uh, yeah. like you <laughs> know, important. like. A, you can double team. Dan's still playing man to man. I've gone to zone, and once you're playing can't zone, play man, zone, it's tough. It's tough. It's can't really play zone. Tough. It only works for it only works for Syracuse. It's the only place it works <laughs> is where you can play zone. Um, you can't do it near like in your house. Um, and, and you know, I mean, look, when you're playing, I mean, you can you can do like the box and one, Eric, which is like you know you've got the two defenders in the house. Um, yeah. Switching from that to man to man is it's a real. Like, we've taken a divide-and-conquer approach. I don't even think the two kids have met yet. That's the way that I've That's the way that I've approached trying to deal with this. It's just like, get them out of the house. Let's go. We'll run errands. We'll do whatever we can. We'll listen. Hey, Dan. Whatever we can listen to. And uh, that's been our plan. Um, I, I, hope they, I hope they like each other when they finally meet. Dan, the Lakers are playing like they haven't met either. I mean, they're 10 and 10. <laughs> They're ten and ten, yeah. and I just, I'm just dying to see what they're going to do when everybody's healthy. How this works? Like now that LeBron's back, like is Russ going to stand in a corner? I, I, I what's, what's going to happen? Um, okay, so I, I think right, like, so the caveat here is that I've been watching the Lakers. I haven't seen, I haven't been with them um, on this most recent road trip. I've been kind of, you know, viewing from far, and it's been, it's been actually like an interesting way to watch them because I've got the to kind of take a, um, you know, the, the 50,000 foot view. And, and I think one of the things that struck me most, right. is just like how Westbrookian of a team they've been. And you, you know, I, I think Jones, to your point, right. is like, I don't think Russ is just going to stand in the corner. Um, I, I don't think that is, uh, that's possible. I, I think he is too, uh, too gravitational of a player. Um, he's too, he, because of how hard he plays because of the fact that he's your point guard and the ball is in his hands and he is their point guard, even with LeBron, like he is still a guy that is going to be asked to play, make a lot and, and stuff like that. I mean, I think, you know, it kind of worked a, a sort of well late, um, against the Pacers Westbrook hit some big shots and then he also deferred at the right times. But, but man, when I watched them, they, they feel like hit, like, there, look, he's not overtaking LeBron necessarily as to like whose team it is. It's LeBron's team, but right now they 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 look like a Westbrook team. Um, they play very fast. They turn the ball over a lot. There's a lot of chaos, sort of, um, you know. And there's uh, a lot of good and a lot of bad. And I and I think, you, you know, to me that's been sort of the most interesting thing watching them is trying to figure out. 
you know, right? Like when this happens, when you put three stars together, who's the guy that steps aside? And um, it's not Russ. Um, and it's not, that's not to say he's selfish or anything like that. It's just like, I don't know how you tell a guy he's the point guard and it's a guy like Russell Westbrook. And then you say do less. Um, I don't know that he knows that speed. Speaking of Dan Wiki from the LA times, Dan, uh, Frank Vogel. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was a weird fit from the beginning. And I mean, listen, the guy went out and got a championship, but I, I, I just didn't see Frank Vogel as an LA guy, as a LeBron guy. Um, and I'm not here to, to, to tear the dude down, but long-term, is, is he going to be able to be the right guy to, to hold this all together and all these personalities? Or, or if things start going sideways, more sideways than 10 and 10, is that where the, the, the first shot is fired? I mean, I think right now, right, like I, I don't see um, – I mean, always, right? I mean, the GM doesn't fire himself, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. And I think – um, when I look at this situation, though, I don't know that I necessarily view it as uh, personality issues as I view it more as, like, personnel issues, to be totally honest, right? Like, this is a team uh, that this offseason um, made a real conscious decision to become better on offense, you know, to become more dynamic. They felt like they needed more talent. Um, they saw what happened with injuries to Anthony Davis, LeBron James last year. Um, they didn't want a single injury to necessarily derail their season. Um, but the caveat, of course, that, you know, obviously like they know they need LeBron um, and Anthony Davis to win, but, but they wanted to have more firepower. Right. So they go out, they had Russell Westbrook, they had um, Carl Anthony. And then as they're shopping around kind of on the fringes of free agency, and, you know, you know, they had guys like Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk, um, they bring back Kalen Horton Tucker, uh, sort of at the cost of letting Alex Caruso walk. And it, it's like every decision they made was kind of more offensive minded. Um, here's the issue. Uh, the Lakers did indeed get worse on defense, right? Um, they, um, have just eked out of the bottom third of the NBA. Uh, but the problem is they stink on offense guys. <laughs> they are, uh, despite shooting it pretty well. Um, they are, uh, I think like 24th right now in offensive rating. Um, they are very clunky. I think, you know, the encouraging thing last night was it was like, oh, finally they got like a great performance from one of their great players. And look, they're six and three when LeBron James plays. And uh, that solves a lot of problems. But I can tell you that those wins have not looked easy. Um, nothing has seemed easy for them this season. And, and, and that's an issue. You guys know this, right? Like there are nights in the NBA, especially when you're a super talented team. Look at the Warriors. Right, and, and and that is a team that has talent and also just tremendous fit. Um, you know, where you just go out and you just win by twenty. Um, you're hitting your shots, you're playing defense, like you you blow teams out. Uh, the Lakers, the closest that's happened to the Lakers this year was one game against the Rockets. Otherwise, it's been like a real struggle. You know, overtime, um, overtime last night, overtime in Detroit. Um, you know, really close to this being an zero and five road trip and. You know, if, if if you keep losing like that, then yeah, I mean, you look to the coach. I I just I don't know that that's that's not where I would put the blame necessarily, right? Like I think he's a good defensive coach. He's not a magician. Well, you know, Dan, I keep watching them, and and it's if people who listen to our our show and our pod are going to be sick of this because Eric and I talk about it all the time. But they're they're the story. They. You know, they, they could mm-hmm. have gone after a Buddy Heald or something, maybe some parts that fit better. But in typical L.A. fashion, they went for the star power and they bring Russ in. And um, it, I, I don't know if it's going to fit. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying that it's not, but it's it's yeah. above my pay grade and, and people that can figure it out. And, and, and to me, you only have so much time. Everybody's like, oh, it's early still. Well, yeah, it's early, but they're 10 and 10. And LeBron's been out and now he's back. Uh, they go back to square one. They've just kind of burned 20 games and they're no further sure. ahead than they were in training camp. Well, that's the issue, right? And I, th- I think judge you're right. And it, it's funny. You said about your pay rate, like it doesn't even feel that complicated to me. Right. Is that, you, you know, I, I mean, is that <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard to win with um, and, and teams have experienced this, right? When when you have if you're gonna if you're gonna have three max players the Lakers currently have three max players like your role players all have to 
be very, very good. And you have to, you know, you have to like, it becomes incredibly difficult because you don't have any money and, and you're limited in what you can spend and stuff like that. And, and yeah, like, look, two big pieces of their rotation have not played a second for them this season. To your point, how it's sort of like training camp for them. Uh, Trevor Ariza has not played a second and he was kind of going to be counted on to be sort of, you know, a defensive, a defensive guy who could knock down shots. He's also 37 years old. Um, the other guy is Kendrick Nunn, who um, is a player that, like, quite frankly, like, I've never been super high on. Um, but people around the Lakers kind of thought his defensive toughness, another playmaker, another score off the bench, um, and, and a good kind of at, at point of attack defender um, would help. But, yeah, hasn't played a second. Don't know when he's going to be back. Um, this team is, it, it is like, you know, like you said, it's 20 games in and, and, and they really don't have an identity. The good news, I think, is if you're a Lakers fan, is that, you know, I think you do feel reasonably confident that in any series that you would enter in the playoffs with LeBron James, um, you have a really good chance of winning, right? Um, you might not be favorites, but, uh, you know, you know you, you're going to have a chance. And I think this team is not going to be judged by how uh, cohesive they look. And ultimately, they're not going to be judged by how cohesive they look in December. It's going to be like, what do they look right. like in April or May? The question is, is sort of like, are we, what are we seeing now? Are we seeing like, is this like the early chapters uh, of, a, of, a, of a bad novel? You know, that like, it's just not going to get any better? Or <laughs> are we seeing... Um, you know, is this like the signs or are we just kind of seeing something that it's like, you know, this is a veteran team that's not necessarily going through the motions, but that knows sort of like, this is a very slow build. Um, and you know, they may not find their foot until the all-star break, maybe even a little after. Speaking with Dan Wojcicki from the LA times, Dan, at the, at the risk of, of, of harping on Vogel again, and I honestly don't mean to, um, tying in everything. You yeah. Just what, what, about, what, what, what did he do? Eric, what did he do to you? Did he, nothing, did nothing, Frank, nothing. Did he, did he, um, at one point it was, was he in Toronto? Did he disparage Tim Hortons or something to your face? Well, what, what happened? <laughs> uh, no, I got, I got nothing wrong with like, no problem with the man, no okay. problem with the man, but, right. but, but okay. I just, I honestly just didn't think that Frank Vogel was, was, was the right choice for the Lakers. And he proved me wrong. They went out and got a championship as much as that's LeBron James. But I look at last night, and part of the reason I bring this up, I'm tying in everything you just talked about, whether it's a bad novel, whether it's a slow start, now they're going to still be dangerous, yes, and you would want to face all that, yes. But LeBron James is out of the lineup, makes his return last night, and he's 37 years old, and he played 43 minutes. Like, I'm not one of these yeah. guys that is, is into the whole load management thing. I want guys to play, and there also is that old-school mindset of, hey, if you're in the lineup, it means you can play, so I'm going to play you. But 43 minutes and 40 for Russ, you got an old team with a bunch of old dudes, and the guys just came back from the injured list and being on the sidelines, and you're playing 43 minutes. Like, that, that to me is stuff that's going to catch up to you over the course of the season. Am I, am I wrong for thinking that? No, you're, you're not. And I think, too, um, you know, they're also playing at the second-highest pace in the NBA. So like these minutes, like like your on court minutes are inherently faster and a little more strenuous, and I think that's part of the reason why you see um, them give up so many layups and stuff like that, right? As they're playing fast, um, you're you're not quite as physically sharp, you're not quite as mentally sharp. Um, I think though, it, I mean, this is sort of the the paradox that the Lakers are, find themselves in. Um, at one at, on one hand, saying like you know. We're, we're being patient, we're taking a long view, whatever, and also, like, knowing just, like, for the good of the team that, like, coming home with a one-and-four road trip would be a disaster, right? And not that two-and-three is, um, you know, break up the champagne or any type of, type of <laughs> situation. I mean, maybe, 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 maybe you'll need the booze to watch some of the game film, but, like, it is not a, it is not cause for celebration, right? Um, but this is a team that needs to go on a winning streak, they, like that's how this works, right? Like we've seen teams in the past, we've seen LeBron James teams in the past that have struggled out of the gate, um, that that have had bad times with fit, that have, have not been able to get role players going, whatever it may be. Um, and at some point, you, you know, they go and win seven or eight games in a row. Um, obviously, the Lakers haven't done that. They've barely won seven or eight games this season. Um, but but there is a, a little sliver of opportunity, kind of right now. You know, they come back home. Um, they, they play winnable, they play winnable games, um, decent teams. Um, well, not right off the bat, they get Sacramento twice here in the next three. Um, 
but but the, but there's an opportunity, right? Like to actually build some momentum, to play with some confidence, to play with I think um, you you know, and that's how you build kind of continuity. That's how you forge an identity. That's the thing that I, you know, I haven't asked Frank Vogel a question in um, four weeks, right? And and I think the question that I want to I've been thinking a lot about this um, in between diaper changes. Uh, I, the question I think I want to ask him Friday isn't isn't it, well one can you babysit and then I think question number two is that I want to ask him guys is sort of like you know like your teams have won here because they've been defensive teams like that has been their identity you know through and through right like for for all the star power or whatever they have been this just lockdown defense right um, you know. 20 games into the season, like, are, are, do you still think that this can be their identity? Or is this a team that's going to have to win other ways? You know, and I, like, to me, I just, I, I don't, I, I see a team that is like, everybody is adjusting. Like, you know, Frank Vogel again, right? Like, like gritty, like defensive minded guy. Um, and he's got his team playing a lot of zone right now out of necessity. Um, but also I think, you, you know, I mean, you look at the team and it's just like, well, if they're not going to play zone, what, you know, how are you going to guard people at, at the, at the top of the game? I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys something kind of interesting. Um, or maybe I thought it was kind of interesting. I was talking to a coach, uh, um, someone on the Lakers staff for the season who made a prediction and they said, I think he's like, I think we're going to be the NBA leader in block shots this season. Right. And I think you hear that. And you might think, oh, that's because they've got like great rim protection. No, and it wasn't one. It's because they're gonna get they're, they're like they're gonna just be like constantly having to try to swat at layups because they're not gonna be able to guard anybody down the perimeter. Um, I think they're second or third right now in blocks, and that that's why it, it's. I mean, if you watch them, um, their point of attack defense isn't very good. It's why they have to start Avery Bradley, who the Warriors waived on the last day of the season, uh, the last day of the training camp, right? Not in the, definitely not in the Lakers plans to begin this season. Um, you, you know, you know, that's a thousand percent an admission that like, we just don't have defensive firepower. I don't know where they find it. I don't know that they can go back in time and maybe decide that paying the luxury tax for Alex Caruso would be worth it or going deeper into the luxury tax would be worth it. Um, it's still a confounding decision to me. But, uh, man, this team needs someone that you can just put on the ball. It's just opposing guards just have huge games. Dan, uh, we appreciate the time today, man. We, we've got to step aside, but go enjoy your, uh, your Thanksgiving, your, your, your day of football and diaper changes, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Hopefully those three things don't interchange too much. Hopefully I can get separate. <laughs> yes. I, I, I pray for that as well. Uh, great to All chat, best, Dan. Dan. Got to have guys. you back. Yeah, yeah, good catching up. See you guys soon. All right. Yes, Bye-bye. sir. There's Dan Wojcicki from the L.A. Times. Folks, if you like Smith & Jones, make sure you subscribe to the show, the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Rate and review as well. Smith & Jones right here on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.